kindness of being seated together today. We are so grateful that you're here, and I'm going to invite you today to turn in your Bible to the 15th chapter of the book of Romans, and at this point, our boys and girls and pathfinders and explorers are going to be going to their class. Um, as we open our Bibles here together today, invite those of you with joining us at Facebook Live. It would be really good today. It's always true, but I'd love for you to have your own copy of God's eternal, imperishable, incorruptible, inerrant word in your own lap uh, or on your own tablet, however you choose to do it. Um, we want to look at together today at, at a passage in the first section of the 15th chapter of Romans that will frame a, a theme for this month that um, I believe is one of the foundational ways that many believers, all of us, can get over hurdles, often self-imposed hurdles in our lives, that keep us from having a high, high degree of motivation. Now, we're going to be talking today about where excellence begins, where excellence begins. The reference upon your pictures here on the screen is particularly um, valuable and rare artifact of recent history. The great composer Joseph Haydn in the uh, 18th century noted in some of his phenomenal works of music was presented with um, ceremonial conductor's baton on the occasion of his 76th birthday, while one of his greatest oratorio pieces for creation was being performed, and he was a guest in the performance of only gentlemen can come. Just as that bit of an experience in his life will fade into the memory of history, it reminds me something that we see in Romans chapter 15 about the nature of the gifts of God and our personal connection to Jesus Christ as our model and our source. Now, the, the particular phrase I'd like to actually look at first in Romans chapter 15 is that um, eighth verse where the first phrase I'd like for us to see as we think about this theme in the life of Jesus is where the Bible says something to us about Jesus Christ that, first of all, we know already, we know certainly, because of the, about the theme of the servanthood of Jesus and what it means to us this month. But even though we know these first four words are true and they're not a surprise to us, I think it is very surprising and very awakening for us to realize how the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, applies this particular truth. So first, let's just say the first four words together here are just for this, as uh, played on the screen. Christ became a servant. Now, because when we think about, all of us can think about many examples where Jesus gives us that image, that, um, that characteristic of being loved in the earthly part of his journey, we know it from Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, maybe one of the most uh, well-known, the beginning of that classic hymn early uh, in the first century where the Apostle Paul applies the servantship or the servanthood of Jesus 
into our minds and our attitudes, Philippians 3, 5, says, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it's notable there that uh, relating to what we're going to see here about uh, the impact of this neighborhood, that in Philippians 2, 5, the modern translation uses the word attitude, and that's a good, valid translation, but it, it doesn't really give the full scope of the meaning of the word N-O-U-S used in the Greek translated mind in many Bibles, let this mind be in you, that that word N-O-U-S has to do with the total, the total perspective of a human being's mental outlook. And, and it's, it's notable, of course, it includes attitudes, and attitudes is a big part of it, but it really includes more than that. You could say that it includes also not only their worldview, but for the value of what we see in the Roman scriptures, we also know it's kind of a relational worldview. Now, there's a lot in this chapter that joins together the significance of God working in our lives individually with his plan for the body of Christ to really understand that Jesus Christ is actively living among us. Now the text that we started with, those four words, Christ became a servant, and the parallel in Philippians is let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God did not think it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself again a servant. Once again, the word servant is used, servant. Now, now here is, this is a clear and understandable thing that we all know about him. But the part about this that is not only unusual, but helps us, I think, make some fresh applications to being motivated in our walk with God is this fact. Christ became a servant for God's truth to be displayed. That's the text in Romans 6 and 8. Christ became a servant. Some translations are, of course, bringing the focus here into uh, being on behalf of the Christian, being on behalf of the, of the natural, his natural kinship with the Jewish people. So he became a servant to the circumcision to the Jewish people of his day. But here's the reason. Notice, why? For God's truth to be displayed. For the benefit of God's truth. And then as we look at that text and think about why he did that, then the next phrase relates to two themes that converge in the 15th chapter of Romans that have been interwoven for the last three chapters prior to this, and that is that God's purpose for allowing the growth or the purpose of God in the life of people coming to Christ seems for many people to suggest that somehow he had forgotten about the Jewish people or that the Jewish people uh, were, were sidelined in some way. And a lot of the flow of that entire section in Romans 9 and 11 is about how God's purpose not only has not been sidelined, in fact, God's purpose has been advanced by the way non-Jewish people across the Roman Empire were coming to Christ in great numbers, and 
that the glory of God would be seen in the birthing of his ecclesia, the redeemed people of God, and that a part of that plan was that as those from the Jewish background would see the joy, the reflection of life in the lives of those who were from a non-Jewish background, that they would be in a real wonderful way, not in a bad way, that they would be promoted to jealousy. That is, they would have a, you might say, a holy jealousy, a burning desire. Wow, I'd like to know what that's all about. Now, again, this part of the theme is not what we're talking about today, but I think it'll help us realize that God had a purpose in preparing for the way that the gospel spread in the early church, and that in every single part of that, the Lord Jesus himself is being demonstrated in his grace and kindness to people. There's so much there about that. So the the, the same verse in Romans 15, 8 says, this was done, that is, why was Jesus become a servant? Why? To confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Now, this is really vital for us because I want to think about today with you what is the difference for a moment here between excellence and perfectionism. And here is where the writer uh, of this epistle, this is where Paul's focus on revealing God's plan for his people and the fact that Jesus came to literally lay his life down as a servant, think of it now, for people who initially were rejecting him. Why did he come to this earth to do that? Why did he take the cross to do that? For the purpose of displaying the kingdom of God and preparing the people in order Thank you. 